Welcome to the Unconventional Leadership Podcast, a weekly podcast where we dive into the latest leadership news, tips, and strategies. I'm your host, Mike Sipple Jr., co-founder and the CEO of the Talent Magnet Institute, best-selling author, speaker, and podcaster. The Unconventional Leadership Podcast boldly tackles the top-of-mind issues leaders face daily. Through insightful interviews with experts from various industries and backgrounds, we unpack the skills, traits, and mindsets crucial for effective leadership in today's world. Whether you're a seasoned leader seeking to stay ahead of the curve or aspiring to develop the skills and insights to succeed, the Unconventional Leadership Podcast has something for you. Join us each week as we challenge the status quo and explore what it means to be an unconventional leader. I have the uh, pleasure of being here in the studio with Megan Leisher, an award-winning industrial and organizational psychologist, a friend who's a friend of Talent Magnet, who's a friend of yours. She's been a key part of my, uh, really my friendship circle, uh, helping me navigate the last few years as we've been growing. And Megan, I greatly appreciate your patience on the journey that you've been on with us. Um, Megan is passionate about connecting challenge and compassion, insights and intuition, and faithful and fearlessness into the design of talent strategy and solutions for individuals and organizations. So whether you're someone right now who's looking for your next opportunity or thinking about self while you listen to this episode, or how can I lead my team well? How can I lead my organization the best way possible into the future? You are in the right place. Megan's also a Forbes HR Council member. Megan's been named as one of HR's rising stars by Human Resource Executive Magazine, the 10 most influential leaders in HR by Insight Success Magazine. Megan lives in Northern Kentucky where she loves coffee, bourbon, and Converse Chuck Taylors. Megan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Mike. I've, I've got my coffee and I've got my Chuck Taylors on, but I can't confirm if there's any bourbon in this cup. It, it's a little go. early. So we'll, <laughs> we'll find out towards the end of the episode. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So Megan, as you think through, you have spent so much time understanding human behavior, understanding mm -hmm. org design and how that impacts human behavior, mm -hmm. how we unpack potential right? What are we doing that's limiting factors? What are we doing that's adding to? Um, where do you like to start in this conversation when they say, Megan, help us understand how IO and how your specific expertise can help our organization be most successful? Mike, I love that broad question to start off with. I, I think one of the most important things is that human behavior is not just behavior at work. It's behavior in your personal life. It's behavior in your volunteering and your parenting and your friends and all of those aspects. And so when we think about the measurement of human behavior, which organizational psychology just thrives on, we're, we're trying to really predict future performance by looking at current state attributes. And really, that's a that's a powerful thing in terms of jobs, you know, identifying people who could be successful. But it's also really important in terms of relationships in general, picking the right friends, 
picking the right mate, um, picking the right volunteer leader, uh, picking the right church leader, whatever the case may be, we are focused on identifying the factors that will predict the future performance that we want Mm. of people and with people. And so I would love to start from a place of it's about your whole self, every facet of you at every single moment. You know, wow. like like leave your personal life at home. Those kinds of days are, are long over. Um, if it wasn't already over, COVID blew it out the window um, when we started wearing our pajamas to work and, you know, broadcasting out of our, our kitchen tables. And yeah. so I think we're just in the place where we need to accept and embrace that that's all a part of us every single moment, every single day, when we lead, when we work, when we follow everything we do. I'm fascinated, Megan, to hear and watch and read about the data that like, if you think six to seven years ago, the data was trying to tell us something, yeah. right? And that knowledge that we weren't picking up what it was putting down around whole self and what that actually meant mm -hmm. got completely redefined. Absolutely. And I know in your case, you have a, a high level of interest in people who are first time leaders. Mm -hmm. And how do you feel like the conversation for first time leaders as we're training and equipping people and preparing them has, has it changed? Is there a different conversation today mm -hmm. than it would have been before that's enlightened by the data that we could be leveraging? Yeah, I think I think there is a lot of change that has been happening, but I still think there, there there's a runway to accomplish here. Mm -hmm. So when we think about first time leaders and we think about what we've all been through in the past few years, yeah. there has been such a greater emphasis on empathy and belonging and feeling connected because we're not having the quote unquote hallway conversations like we used to, you know, the, the virtual nature of things all of society having the shared experience of having gone through a pandemic together um, brought out so many different types of emotions and reactions in people that first time leaders, you know, really have to be understanding and prepared for that. Whether it is, you know, maybe a bad day of one of your employees looks a little bit different. Maybe yeah. a bad day is a little more overt and being mm -hmm. discussed versus swept under the rug. So I think companies are, are really mindful of that because we, we are bringing our whole selves. We're bringing our, our fears, our discomfort, our frustrations, our passions, you know, the goods and the bads. And I think companies having realized that with all the, the data and the research that's out there, I, I think there's a greater awareness to get first time leaders ready. You know, as much as we don't want to admit it, a first time leader is going to be part therapist and part listener and part coach and part instructor and all of those different pieces, um, whether they necessarily desire to be or not. So I think companies yeah. are really um, bringing the human into first time mm -hmm. leadership training. Um, can they be doing more? Absolutely. Always. But I, there's a greater awareness in in helping first time leaders understand like, hey, this is this is what's going to be coming at you. And you know what? You're a person, too. What's it like for you? What do you bring to your leader that's different than before? What's that reflection that can add to that mix? Yeah. It's so interesting to me that the phrase of bringing the human back or putting the people back in in leadership like is a thing like you actually go. Yeah. Isn't it great? We're doing that versus. 
Of course it should be there. And that people side is we're all individuals, right? We all bring our unique gifts. We all bring our unique struggles. We all bring our unique minds and hearts and, um, you know, and why not welcome all of that in? Mm -hmm. And as we like to say together, you know, unpack that, unlock that, mm -hmm. release that and allow that to be part of who we are as an organization. So yeah. Megan, you, you had shared in a, in a article on Forbes mm -hmm. about the title was how to disrupt the journey, not your leadership. Yeah. Um, can you share uh, what you shared in that article with our audience and, and how can we all learn from what you've been putting out into the great world? Yeah, absolutely. You know, as, as we think about the concept of leadership and unconventional leadership, I, I found myself in a situation um, that was incredibly unconventional. I didn't realize it uh, until I was in it. And, and I, I guess I'm still there. And um, that's why I decided to write an article about it. So I made a choice last September to leave the job I was in without having another one lined up. I, I just said, you know what, I'm going to step aside. I want to take a break. I've never had one of those before. And I'm going to have some rest and I'm going to see what this space provides. And what I didn't know was how much my leadership would be on a stage by doing that okay. and yeah. by being in this in-between space. And so the first thing that I realized and that I learned uh, very swiftly was that um, what felt like a relatively easy decision for me was was perceived as bold and trailblazing and um, incredulous and exciting, you know, the good, the bad, all of the things. There were just lots of reactions out there. I had um, I had shared that news on LinkedIn. I had strangers reaching out to me um, from all over saying, I did it too. Isn't it great? Or um, how do you do this? I want to do that. And I'm scared. Um, you know, people being like, oh, you've got a job lined up, right? Like assuming it wasn't real. And I'm like, no, no, no. So what I didn't realize, first of all, was the reactions and the perception of that being bold and, the, and it creating eyes on me. Mm -hmm. And I love it. It's a great opportunity to help normalize it talk about it. You know, for some people, it might be the right decision. For some people, maybe it's not. But the one thing that I learned was the the attention that came with that and mm. people just just wanting to hear hear my story, hear my reasons. And really, I felt an element of, of people um, quite often wanting permission to do it themselves, whether it's, um, you know, not sure if you can do it financially not sure if you are comfortable with that space or with the unknown, you know, introducing that level of perhaps insecurity into right. your life, whether it's emotional, financial, routine, all of those things. It inspired a lot of great conversations. So the, the biggest aspect was just realizing that I had more people um, reaching out to me than I had ever expected. And it felt like my leadership was literally on a stage when I thought it was going away because I was leaving a job and it actually made the bigger. Yeah. 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 And you made a statement, right? I mean, that it was mm -hmm. time and you went through the process of here's how I knew it was time. And you really frame this up as a sabbatical. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. What, it, what have you been surprised by? And maybe it is what you just unpacked that, you know, your leadership was really brought to the forefront 
in this process. What other surprises about taking this sabbatical has been so enlightening for you? Um, both in a good and a bad way, the, the disruption of what had been my normal routine. So waking up at a certain time, jumping on email at a certain time, you know, taking your morning shower, getting sure. ready, you know, all of those, those structural elements of a routine. I have days where that's still very much my real routine. And then I have days where I, I don't get out of my pajamas and I'm watching TV all day. And maybe I feel great about that. And maybe I feel really terrible about myself about that too. So the, mm -hmm. the routine disruption has been quite the surprise because I love it. I hate it and everything in between. So yeah. um, I, I'm realizing I'm someone who really does love structure in a day, but I think the challenge I'm being given right now is to blow that up once in a while and just mm -hmm. ride that wave of discomfort um, and let that structure go sometimes mm -hmm. and, and um, see how it feels to embrace it versus fight the fluidity. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, in, in the lessons learned, so when people are reaching out, you, you're hearing an outpouring of like, Hey, this is really encouraging. I should be thinking about mm -hmm. that. There may be people thinking, you know, maybe my, is there a way to do a sabbatical yet not leave an organization or do you need to, you know, are you getting dialogue around these types of topics of how to define what a sabbatical might look like? Yeah, I, I really am. You know, there's there's so many different ways someone can look at it. There there are a lot of companies that are starting to offer sabbaticals mm -hmm. now. It's not just in, you know, your your tenured professor kind of space like it used right. to be. Um so so one avenue is does your company offer this? If you're looking for a job, might you ask about that as part of the the benefits package? Because I am starting to hear that become a yeah. little more oh, common. Yeah. Another thing is can one consider going down to part-time? Is that financially feasible? Is it benefits feasible? You know, what, what is your current family situation and, and does that make sense? And if part-time is feasible, is it feasible to let it go altogether? You know, mm -hmm. if, if, you, if you do have a spouse or other financial support as part of your financial and or family environment, is there a scenario where Maybe a few months off is is okay, and maybe things might be a little tighter. But what is the gain for your mental health, for your rest, for operating at your best self, embracing your potential, yeah. maybe learning something new? Could there be more to gain in those areas that might make some financial tightness worth it? I, I'm not here to make that call for an individual, but mm -hmm. um, there's some different ways to look at it. There, def mm -hmm. there definitely is. Megan, so when I have walked alongside of individuals and had friends, had clients go through a process where, you know what, I think it's time and I think I need to take a break, reevaluate, assess, what clarity has come out of this for you? In terms of knowing it's time, the, you know, the clarity for me was a lack of fear. I wasn't paralyzed by the idea of having nothing. I was really excited about it. There was a calm with it. Um, and I've yeah. never, I've never felt that before. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a person of faith, Mike, I know you are as well, but, but I really had that clear message, you know, from above that, that this is good. Like you're going to be good. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. And however that translates in a person for me, it, it was just pure calm that this is going to be fine. This is the right path. 
and just feeling liberated and, and honestly proud that I did it. Um, because it, you know, even if you feel ready, still doing it in the moment and saying I'm out, there is a finality to that. And so I think that that was the biggest thing for me was just that calm that I felt. And also to be honest, I had been doing a lot of look at my finances to make sure that, that, you know, I was ready. I could do this, what that would look like for me. And that probably added to the calm a little bit as, you know, it was not a rash decision, but yeah, just, just knowing that I was going to be okay. And that something great would be coming. Yeah. Yeah. And I have known individuals to literally be sitting with their financial advisor asking when they could make the change. Exactly. And it sounds like that evaluation provides clarity. Are there now post experience? So you're living in that moment, you're you know, still writing, still contributing, yeah. still participating. What additional clarities have come for yourself and your own, you know, call it self-care, self-leadership mm-hmm. um, that might be helpful to those listening? Yeah, I think it, it's really for me been the balance of, of giving and adding value versus taking in and learning. Um, so mm-hmm. I've been very thoughtful in terms of continuing to do things like writing, podcast interviews, presentations, things like we're doing today. And that's very much a, a giving, a sharing of a value, knowledge, experience, what, whatever types of elements you think of, of these types of conversations. But I'm also intaking a lot more. So I'm doing a lot more reading. I'm doing a lot more learning. I'm taking a course right now on how to write and publish a nonfiction book. And that's probably something I wouldn't have done, you know, with a full-time job. And so I'm exploring new venues I'm taking in new experiences. And so I'm, that's been a big change for me is, hey, I've got this time. Let's have some fun with it. Let's embrace something new. Let's learn something new. Let's play in a new space and see, see how that feels. And I've got the time to do it. So let's, let's do it now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, can you share um, some thoughts around what might be next? Like what, what have you explored that you're like, wow, like, that's so interesting. I think I might be able to bring my expertise into that? And, um, you know, what thoughts does that bring what you just referenced? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, I think one of the things that I'm, I'm really looking to do in the next few years is to write a book. I've got a few ideas floating around in my head, very, very loose concepts at this point in time. Um, but I do have a passion for writing and would definitely, uh, like to, like to write a book in the few years. So that's one direction. Um, another direction I, I really want to lean into more, um, and you had brought it up before, is is support for first-time leaders. Um, so many people as individual contributors get promoted for the first time to become a leader, a manager, and they have no idea what to expect. They're thrown into it. Maybe a month or so later, they start to get some training, but it's kind of the backwards order for me. So I have a a passion to help really prepare individual contributors to help them understand what leadership is like before they make the move, before that trigger is pulled for them to launch into that position. And so what that might look like, that could be coaching, that could be education, that could be partnering with organizations um, to help them flip that order a little bit. It's a little bit more of a realistic preview versus a training once you're in it. And so- Um, how, how might we help leaders get ready before they're thrown into it and don't have to learn as much by trial and error? Right. 
Megan. I mean, it's, it's why we exist. I mean, it's right. something that so many, I was just in a meeting the last uh, two days ago where somebody was like, so what you could actually help us do is train people before they're in the role. Brilliant. And it was like, <laughs> wow. And you're like, imagine that. I mean, it's, right? you know, but the world hasn't approached it this way. Never. Right. And the good news is employees are sharing more and more. I mean, if you look at any survey data out there in the marketplace about priorities and what an organization's people priorities should be, mm -hmm. the very top of the list is employee development. You know, we need to be investing in people and they want to be invested in. Mm -hmm. I don't know why it's taken us that long to make it a priority, but we're here mm -hmm. and here's what it is. And people are now saying Actually, the reason why I'm leaving doesn't have to do at all with my boss. I like my boss, yeah. but they're not helping me grow. They're not experiencing, mm -hmm. um, I'm not experiencing growth challenge or change. People actually want growth challenge and change in mm -hmm. their work environment because that mm -hmm. allows them to become the next version, the best of who they want to be. Mm -hmm. um, Megan, as you think through the definition of unconventional leader, what else does that phrase uh, bring to your mind? You know, when I think of an unconventional leader, I think of someone who really owns a mistake early and openly. Um, there, there's a lot of things happening in the news recently where leaders are being silent after a giant mistake and everybody's kind of throwing their hands up in the air like why are they not talking like what you know silence is the is the worst thing so if there's a, a moment where we need to call something out or there's a moment where a leader makes a mistake or mis misunderstands misinterprets fires off that email they can't pull back and um you know we're a little curt in it or something like that there, there's so many little moments that can have reactions that maybe we don't intend as leaders or even as people and just saying like, Hey, I sent that too soon. Or, Hey, I just reread that note I sent to you and I wasn't the nicest version of myself or right. wow, I took us down this big road and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how to undo this. So like very simple statements of, of accountability, ownership, yeah. And the promptness of that, and then just saying, let's let's pull together some ideas of how we can undo this, pivot, flex to, you know, being in a good place. And, and that's one of the things that I think about because I think leaders are still scared to do that. Mm. But like, is admitting to a mistake going to be a career ender? I, I don't know where the fear is there, but yeah. that's a big one for me in unconventional leadership is owning mistakes overtly and promptly and um, to the, all the people who need to hear it. Yeah, that is so good. I mean, if you, uh, for me, if I like, if I close my eyes and hear what you just said, there are, are humans that come to mind that have done that, that I've yeah. seen do that. And probably for the listening audience, our community, like you're thinking, yeah, I've been around one person who's done that really well. And guess what happens? They build an incredible mm -hmm. amount of belief you want to create trust, mm -hmm. admit that something you thought was going to be different turned to turn out different, didn't. And here's the result. Um, or it did turn out different. And you're like, I wasn't expecting that. And I'm sorry that we yeah. took us down this path or I made a mistake to your point. I sent an email that I probably should have, you know, slept on that for 24 hours. Right. Um, 
and uh, the amount of trust and respect you gain for that person. So Megan, what is the, um, it's hard to ask this question, the best piece of advice, because we all get lots of advice, but what is a profound piece of advice that you have received that really resonates and has helped formulate who you are as a leader? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it, it actually connects to what we were just talking about and it, it really had an impact on me early in my career. A, A manager told me, um, an email can always be good news, but if it's bad news, pick up the phone or do it face to face. And so, you know, add the extra level of dignity, integrity, human connection, if you're sharing something that's not positive. Mm-hmm. And that, that really, that really stuck with me. You know, we were talking about like, oh, sending an email that wasn't very nice, or maybe I should have slept on that right. one. And, and if you would have picked up the phone or had a, had a virtual call or met face to face to talk about something that maybe wasn't the most pleasant thing to do, it, it's, it, it, there's an element of giving respect to the person face to face that you might be giving not the best news to. And maybe it's just saying, hey, you messed something up, let's talk about how we undo this. Or maybe it could be a, like, hey, you're not getting that raise you asked for. It could be any type of thing, big right. and small. Um, if it's if it's good news, put it in an email. If it's neutral news, put it in an email. But if it's bad news, you know, phone, virtual, face-to-face, some sort of, you know, increase the human element to add the respect, add a level, um, an extra level of, of, mm-hmm. of dignity for the, the person who's going to be receiving bad news. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you for that advice. Um, Megan, in terms of your favorite tool or resource or even favorite book right now that you might share with our audience, if they're interested in continuing their development, um, what resonates with you? Yeah, so I'm going to give you a book and a tool. So um, the book that I go back to a lot is Presence by Amy Cuddy. And there is so much in that about your nonverbals and what those nonverbals communicate. And even though many of us are still working in a virtual world, you still see nonverbals of individuals. You're still reading facial reactions, gestures, how you sit, all of those things. And, and, you know, if the smaller screen is all we have to interpret nonverbals now, those, you know, have a bigger impact from the, from the chest up, if you will. Absolutely. Um, so how even you sit in a chair and things like that, communicate different things to people. Um, you're not just, uh, communicating with words. You're also Mm -hmm. communicating with, with your body and your frame and your tone. And so that's one that I always think of in, in key moments. Um, from a tool standpoint, I am a big user of Focusmate. Uh, Focusmate.com is a website where you schedule a meeting with a random other person somewhere in the world, and you have 50 minutes together, and you are both on video together, and you can be on sound together, or you can mute it, and at the beginning of the 50 minutes, uh, the, the other person says, here's what I'm working on in my 50 minutes, and then I would share, here's what I'm working on in my 50 minutes, we stay on camera together. There's a countdown clock. And then at the end of the 50 minutes, the, you know, focus mate makes a noise, tells you your time is up. And then you go off mute and you share with each other. What did you get done? And oh, you, wow. you give each other some props, you celebrate. And, and for me, when I have a hard time focusing on something or I'm procrastinating or distractions are getting to me, you can literally 
have a partner from anywhere around the world. The very first time I did it, my partner was in the Netherlands and that was super cool. And you get to, you know, meet someone from around the world, but you're literally just silent and working, but you know, someone can see you and you've told that person what you want to do. And that little, little bit of accountability verbally and visually, it's amazing what you can get done. And so I'm a huge fan of it because focus is something I struggle with at times. That is awesome. That is awesome. So you mean I don't have to call a team member and say, hey, can you just sit on the call with me while I'm working on this? <laughs> can you just stare at me and make sure I do <laughs> If I look off task, uh, right, right. let me know. Right. Oh my gosh. It's wow. Amazing. That's a great tool. I'm going to have to amazing. check this out. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Megan, again, I appreciate your leadership, your intentional nature. I uh, love the way you think think and understand humans and human behavior um, and self, right? I mean, we've talked a lot today about self-leadership and what you're referencing, I'm hoping transcends into those that are listening, wherever they might be, right? right? I mean, last last year, I took a three-week um, sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Long, I've never been out of the office longer than a week, and I really have not, never really disconnected a week, Right. Um, and it felt so good and it was just three weeks. So I admire what you're doing. I too agree that organizations are making this a better priority because once people do it, they go, wow, that was really powerful, not just for us, but for those around us. So it's no surprise to me that people are reaching out and thanking you for your courage and your boldness and your willingness to share um, that's given probably them some freedom too, which is why we're talking about it today exactly. uh, to give people freedom. When you feel like it might be time for some type of change and adjustment, mm-hmm. um, it's okay. Take care of self. And, and you don't need permission to do it. I feel like that's the biggest thing that I've been doing in my conversations is unintentionally giving permission in which permission's not needed. Wow. Powerful. So powerful. Well, thank you all for being a part of this conversation. Megan and I look forward to your feedback. We'd love your questions and thoughts. And, you know, let's connect. Let's continue the dialogue. Let's help us walk alongside of you and your journey. And uh, let's be there for one another. So, Megan, thank you again for joining us today. We look forward to our next conversation. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for listening to the Unconventional Leadership Podcast. We hope you gained valuable insights and inspiration from today's episode. We invite you to join us on this journey of exploration and discovery as we continue to uncover the unconventional approaches and strategies that are shaping the future of leadership. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Unconventional Leadership Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Being an unconventional leader means embracing new ideas and strategies to drive growth and innovation. So keep pushing the boundaries and challenging the status quo. And we'll see you next time on the Unconventional Leadership Podcast.